Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to Be The Change, a podcast of conversations with true visionaries who are creating new paradigms for a healthier planet and society. I am your host, Christine Demick, and my work is in finding real solutions to the biggest problems we face today, climate crisis, capitalism, social injustices, and our failing health. There are amazing humans out there that have answers, and it is my mission to have their voices heard. Together, we can raise consciousness and create a just and equal society. Together, we can be the change. Real change comes from regular conversations over coffee or at the dinner table, not from the boardroom. And when conversation turns to collaboration, well, that's when the real magic happens. In 2015, Lindsay McCoy had reached a pivotal point in her own part in contributing to plastic pollution. And trying to reduce her own waste, Lindsay and her sister Allison inadvertently came up with a new structure for the personal care industry, a refill-based product line called Plain Products. And this can be accessed anywhere in the U.S., saving over 386,000 plastic bottles to date from going to the landfill or to oceans. Today, she's going to tell us how they did it and how we can help too. Welcome, Lindsay. I'm so excited to have you here. Hi, Christine. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, so we met in my own quest to make my company, Good Home, plastic-free and refillable. And you know, as we had discussed, I can't consciously contribute to this plastic problem anymore. And I heard your interview on the Indisposable podcast, and I love not just your story, but your values. You had said you believe in sharing your knowledge and helping other companies reach a reusable solution too. So I called you and you helped me. You know, and then I learned about so much of plain products and how you started. Can you give us a little bit of a background for those who don't know? Yeah, of course. So my entrepreneurial journey is a little bit different. Where I just gave a talk where I went to school and so I was reflecting on this a little bit more. But you know, when I was coming up, if you wanted to do good in the world, you didn't go into business. You went into the nonprofit world, you went into the government world, you know, you taught maybe. And so it never occurred to me to go into business growing up. That was absolutely something I was never going to do. So I, I ended up going into nonprofits, spent 20 years working at a variety of nonprofits and ended up the last 10 in the Bahamas where my husband's from running an environmental education group. And at that point, my only environmental qualification was I'd lived in Boulder, Colorado. So I knew (laughs) what zero waste was because I'd been to the farmer's market and I understood that recycling existed and that made me an environmental expert in the Bahamas at the time. (laughs) There, I got to spend a lot of time with really smart scientists and go to a lot of remote places and I kept seeing plastic everywhere. And this idea that came out in you know, 2014, 2015, that there could be more plastic than fish in the ocean by 2050, all of a sudden I was like, oh, yeah, it's everywhere. And it's not going away. You know, that When you live in a country, small island, they don't have the same infrastructure to make the waste disappear the way it does in the States, you know, out of sight, out of mind. So I, I could see it and I just, I didn't want to keep throwing plastic bottles onto that pile anymore, personally. Yeah. So I, you know, started carrying the reusable water bottles, carrying the reusable shopping bags, kind of looking around for other options. And I couldn't find anything for all those plastic bottles in my shower. 
And I was like, oh. And at this point, you know, some B Corps and some other things, socially conscious businesses, social enterprises started to come up. And I was like, hey, maybe I could do some good with the business. You know, maybe this is a business opportunity. I want this. Maybe others want this. And I called my sister, who is very different from me. And she says, we come to the same conclusion, but we get there in incredibly different ways. She's got a design background. And I knew I was going to need some help. So I called her and I said, hey, and I want to try and solve this problem. Do you want to help me? And, and happily, she said yes in 2015. And we had no idea what we were getting into. Uh, but we spent about a year and a half, you know, researching and asking questions and meeting with people and asking more questions. And we launched in 2017 and have been learning and evolving and changing ever since. Incredible. And I love that you, again, the interest says that most of this, it comes over and we all see the problem, right? It's like conversations we have at, at the dinner table and we all talk about it. But I mean, I'm not even sure we all see the problem. I mean, I, I know you really? do. I think once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. But I think a lot of time and money has been spent to convince us on the importance of convenience, on the importance of disposability, that you should just be able to use something and throw it away because it's easy. And then it disappears and you don't have yeah. to worry about it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly in the U.S. I mean, that's a great point that you just made. You know, you said you came from Bahamas, right? Mm -hmm. And we have a place in Turks and Caicos. And my friend had said to me, you know, when you go home, make sure to bring home any plastics, take them home with you. And I didn't even think, I was like, why? You know, like, like, why? She's like, you know, we don't have that infrastructure. So it will just end up going in a landfill, you know, and these things are often very hidden. We, as tourists, you don't see that. And particularly in the US, I mean, you know, our garbage goes, it gets taken away and that's it. End of story. And we have no idea. Unless, of course, we live next to it. You know, we can't afford to live in, in a place where that's not next to the landfill. So you saw this though, living on the Bahamas, right on the beach. Yeah, you just see plastic. You know, you see it on the side of the road. You see it in the water. You see it washed. Up. There's a beach called Junk Beach, and just you know, the combination of wind and tide and currents just wash things up there. They're just filled with plastic. Yeah, flip flops, crates, bottles, just everything looking pretty good because the one thing plastic is good at is lasting. Yeah. So they've learned it doesn't go away. It just breaks down into smaller pieces. Right. So. Yeah. And with plain products, so when you and your sister created plain products, you knew that you weren't going to use plastic and that you chose aluminum. Can you talk about why? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, as a startup on a shoestring, you know, we were looking for existing containers. We didn't have the money to manufacture something or design something. And so really, you know, if you're not using plastic, your choices are glass, steel, and aluminum or cardboard, but that obviously was next. So, you know, glass, we were concerned about being slippery in the shower. I have a, a very active son who's a hurricane. I was like, there's no way I can put a glass bottle in the, you know, I'll be at the hospital <laughs> with stitches yeah. almost immediately. We actually did try stainless steel and we just couldn't afford a version that didn't rust. You know, not all stainless steel apparently is stainless as we learned in our process. So that really left aluminum and you know, it's lighter weight than steel, which is great for shipping. It is the easiest material to recycle in the world, which is wonderful. So after we reuse the bottles as many times as we can, we're you know confident that it can be recycled and just turned into more bottles. And what I didn't realize until I got into this was, you know, it's great to recycle plastic, 
but that can usually only happen once or twice before it gets thrown away anyway. That's right. That's right. And I'm so glad you mentioned that is that most people don't know that plastic has a lifespan, maybe five times, maybe, but it breaks down generally after one to two recycles and then it turns into microplastics. Yeah. Or they have to throw it away. I mean, they just can't recycle it anymore. You know, when they melt it down and reuse it, that chemical process is usually only good once or twice, maybe a few more times, depending on the type. But, and then, you know, a lot of it just doesn't get recycled at all. Yeah. So, you know, aluminum was a good fit for us for a lot of reasons. And we chose to design a box for it so that we didn't have to use fill and to protect it as much as possible because the main problem that we have is denting. So we, you know, use extra thick cardboard. And then we, the great thing is we can reuse those boxes too. Yeah. And we make sure we put paper tape on them so that when we do recycle them, they're completely recyclable. So lots of bits and pieces to the reuse game, but all, you know, not crazy technology, just taking a little time and care and, and some thought and a little extra work. A little extra work and possibly a little extra money. I mean, I think that yeah. in looking at this, in my own research, you know, I went way back and I was like, <laughs> there was a time. Now, my grandmother, unfortunately, has passed, but I know there was a time that there wasn't plastic, you know, right before it was like plastic was invented in the 50s, right? Yeah, it was really post-World War II. Okay. Uh, they geared up for World War II and they had, you know, all of these factories and they needed something to do with them that they turned to plastic and sort of, again, created a market. Created a market. market of, you know, it'll be great. You can just use this spoon and throw it away instead of... That's right. That's right. It was, you know, a time of hardship went to a time of convenience. And we went into this and actually posted on this today is that no one does not think about two months ahead or even two years or two decades ahead. It's such a thing for humans to create an idea, be all jazzed about it, and then not even think about the repercussions or how this is going to end. It's exactly what you said. You know, yes, it is more expensive, but it's more expensive because you're taking responsibility for the packaging and because those materials aren't subsidized. So oil in this country is heavily subsidized, which makes plastic incredibly cheap. Plastic is a byproduct of making gas. So they've got it anyway, might as well make a little extra money and sell it. And then they don't have to take any responsibility for that packaging. So if they were to pay the cost of that responsibility, there are some people now looking at these extended producer responsibility bills, a few states are looking at them. If there started to be that, and if those subsidies went away, the playing field would look very different. And the costs, I think, would be much more fair than they are right now. Because yes, there's no way that, you know, we can compete with a plastic bottle with a lot of chemicals in it that you just throw away at the end. No, we can't. And here's the other conundrum was, so I'm in the cleaning business. So my products are primarily for cleaning, although we have some hand soaps, but my number one seller is liquid laundry detergent and a laundry fragrance, which is a soy-based fabric softener. It's a natural fabric softener. They're both liquid. And so in my research, I looked and of course, pre-50s that my grandmother to wash clothes, they were using soap powders, right? Or soap flakes. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, I could go back to that, but here's the thing. And yes, we all could go back to that, but a liquid is just much better at cleaning. It just is, right? So do you think, you know, if we're looking to change this industry or to change it for the better, will people really go 
backwards to soap flakes? And I thought, no, probably not. Right? You right. can't. People you, want things to work. And yeah, if people want work, efficacy. They're, they, they're using the chemical plastic alternative. I mean, yeah. I think environmental products got a really bad rap in the '90s and the early 2000s because they weren't comparable quality. Yeah. You know, people would do them. They're like, well, I'm doing good for the planet. I guess it's okay that my clothes don't smell that good or that my hair looks a little limp or what have you. Yeah. And so I do think that the product itself has to be comparable, period. I mean, it has to work for this yeah. to work. But I think the goal is for companies like ours and others to gain some traction and then get big enough where we're not shipping stuff all over the country. And we have small factories and small bottle washing places, you know, around the country that we're all sharing. And then again, the price goes back down. Yeah. The tricky thing about the liquid is it's heavy and expensive to ship. Yeah. That's part of why the cost is so high. So it's hard to move it around this great big country of ours. It's expensive to get things out to the West Coast and the East Coast and vice versa. Lindsay, so in looking at this, you could have made a bar soap. Why did you decide not to? At the time I did try some shampoo yeah. bars. I mean, Lush had one and it just didn't work for my hair. Yeah. And, you know, at the time, I just didn't have the knowledge to do that. I don't have a science background, a chemistry background, a product background. So when we were looking for manufacturers, you know, the manufacturer that we found that we were happy with that had, you know, natural ingredients, we didn't want to create this environmental package and then throw a bunch of chemicals in it. That's a whole other conversation I know you and I could have about the importance of, you know, natural versus these crazy toxic chemicals. It was a liquid product. And so that, again, we worked with what we had. I mean, we didn't have the ability to formulate something. So we found a product that we liked that had, you know, we thought a very responsible supply chain, good ingredients that we were comfortable putting on ourselves and on our kids. And so we went with it. Is it ideal from a price point? No. You know, as a nonprofit girl, I don't like the price point, but I wanted to test out the concept of were people interested in reusable packaging? Were there people that were trying to decrease their plastic footprint? Were there people who wanted natural products? The answer was yes. And now the goal is to get more of us to grow and work together to create basically new infrastructure. I mean, that's really where we are is, you know, just the the small goal of trying to change how we all buy and consume products. Right. In the world. It's that, that collaboration and that conversation. And it takes me back to like the cancel culture where, you know, it's like, okay, so you have to use bar soap on your hair. You should only use this. You should only be vegan and it's fine. And you can cancel everyone else. But the fact is, is you're not going to make change. You just aren't. And you're going to have resentment and you're going to have people polarized. And it's not about that. It's about that medium. And you know, I like a liquid over, I too, you know, a liquid over a bar soap. I just do on my hair, you know, on my body, it's a different story. But So with that, you know, I like the idea that I can buy your product and I use it and then I send it back and you wash it. I'm going to go into this a little bit about how you know, I thought about it myself, like, we'll wash our bottles and we'll figure that out. And then my manufacturer couldn't do it, but you took it to the next level. You literally went and you got an industrial wash and you did it. And I love it. We you, did. Uh, right? We did. Yeah. I mean, nobody was doing it at the time yeah. we were talking about it. And we, we asked around and nobody wanted to do it. And I just refused to let that be the reason that we weren't going to do it. I mean, it's just, 
Yay. just washing models. It's not crazy technology. You know, no. it's exactly what you said. This is what everybody was doing in the 1940s. That's a, that's exactly right. Ages. I mean, life was pretty good back then. So this isn't a crazy solution. You know, it just requires kind of a reworking of how we move products around the country and, and how we consume and use them. I mean, for people out there, if you're not familiar with plain products, you get it and it's in an aluminum canister and you use it and then you send it back. And Lindsay and her sister, Allison, and a team, of course, washes the bottles, sanitizes them, right? They're in an industrial washer and then they can refill them and then they ship it back to you. Well, Um, actually, I was going to say, so there is one slight question to that. So we send the bottle to you, send a pump. Then when you're running low, we ask you to actually come back and order a refill or subscribe and we'll send that refill automatically. That way there's no downtime. So you get the refill sitting there waiting. When you run out of the first one, switch the pump over to the refill bottle. With that refill bottle comes a return label. Use that return label, send it back to us, the empty bottle back to us for free. And then we wash them and, you know, send them back to our manufacturer to be refilled. So the goal was never to have you. So people are like, I sent my bottle back to you. When am I getting it back? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I know it's confusing. This is a different way to do things. You know, <laughs> we send you a refill first. We want you to not run out of product, you know? Right. We have started, there are popping up around the country refill shops now where you can yeah. take your own bottles in and refill them yourselves. As I said, I started this company to solve my own problem. So in my world, getting a bottle out of the shower to a refill shop and back in the shower on the same day. Yeah. Not just, but I applaud the superheroes who can. Yes. So it's exciting for us to see those refill shops popping up. And we have added a three and a half gallon bucket to send to them for people who do that. But yeah, I mean, I think there's lots of different ways this can work, this can look, and it's, it's fun to see all the variations on it. Yeah. I love it. And you're not letting it stop you. You know, I, it was, wait a minute, milk bottles used to be done this way. Yeah. It's still done that way in the UK. And my manufacturer said no. And I was like, oh, okay. But no, you got... So our dish- manufacturer was like, I'm sorry, you want to do what? Yeah. You actually went there and met with them and talked to their chemists. And this is what we want to do. And this is how we're going to do it. And I mean, they're the nicest guys, but I think they almost patted us on the head. And they're like, that's so sweet that you want to... I mean, sure, girls, go yeah. ahead and try. Yeah, we came back for our next order and they were like, oh, it's working. And we're like, yeah, yeah, it's working. People want to do it. And they were like, oh, oh, okay. I mean, I think they're continually shocked by the fact that this business is succeeding. But that's right. And they've continued to work with us. That's right. That's right. And 25 years ago, when I was started the Good Home Company, I was changing the cleaning products industry for... Ever. And I was like, here are my recipes, and we're not going to use ammonia and we're not going to use this. And they're like, really? Oh, that's cute. And, <laughs> you know, as women, we get that. Oh, that's cute, darling. Right. I think men would probably have a little bit different. But anyhow, yeah. And then uh, three years later, it's an Inc. 500 company. So there you go. And of course, numerous copycats out there. So, you know, and it's great. I think it's great. It's changed the industry. And that's how you feel too, which I love, which is, you know, we're talking about having a big co-op where we can plants in along the United States where we can just wash our bottles. It's not hard. We just need the volume. No, no. Uh-huh. it's bottle washing co-op. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we're going to do it. We're gonna we do are going to do it. Now tell yeah. me, so there's two questions here, but why hasn't the industry who has billions of dollars, you did this on a few thousand. Why isn't the industry doing this? Why haven't they figured it out? You know, I think 
one, they're huge and they have a lot invested in their current supply chain, yeah, which is already set up. And you know, those larger companies, I went to a, a packaging conference, something I never thought in a million years I'd ever do, making a small change to a box taking six to eight months. They got to field test it and they got to do the focus groups and they got to do this and they got to get that division. And that, I mean, it's like turning an ocean liner to make any, and you know, I mean, a major change like that, that's not something they're going to do quickly. And honestly, it's not something they're going to do unless they're pushed either by consumers or by the government, period. You know, it's a lot cheaper to operate the way they're operating. That's why they're doing it that way. You can't compete with (laughs) putting stuff in a plastic bottle and throwing it away. Right. So certainly I think they're starting to look at it. You are starting to see some toes in the water. Colgate's got a mouthwash and aluminum bottle. Some people are working with Loop. They're feeling it out. But, you know, to turn that ocean liner 360 and head in a completely different direction, or I guess 360 would be 180. 180, um, is a big ask, a very expensive ask. And I don't think there's enough pressure yet to force that change. That's right. That's right. I think um, people wonder about that. And myself too, you know, there's naivete, but the almighty dollar is on their altar. Well, the almighty dollar, the almighty shareholder. I mean, I think until very recently, shareholder value, profit was the end goal, period. Yeah. And it has not been until very recently that this concept of a triple bottom line of people, planet and profit has started to raise itself a little bit more, become more of a topic of discussion. And I think it's really until those are truly balanced that we're going to see some changes made. And that's either shareholders are going to have to push them, consumers or the government are going to have to push them to do that. So the next question I had, which I think comes down to consumer, we are in a consumer-based society, at least here in the US, and always looking for that new thing, you know, the new shirt, the new shoes, the new happy. (laughs) And yeah, right. And in your line, you have limited it. Um, And I've read that you limit it for a reason, like you have unscented, right? For those who can't even tolerate essential oils or perfumes. And then you have two cents and that was enough for you, right? (laughs) (laughs) That was enough. You said, and I get that. I get that. But then it goes completely against what our society is, which is like, what's the new fragrance? What's the new product? What's the new innovation? How do you balance that? I was just talking to somebody the other day. God, you got to add a baby line. And I was like, well, all of our products are baby safe. I feel like if I add a baby line, I'm sending this message that you should only use this line for your children when they're all safe. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to just stick a duck on a bottle and call it a baby line. <laughs> and yeah, it's tough. Would we market a baby line? Yeah, probably. But I feel like, you know, that's just not who we are as a company. You know, we went with a formula of shampoo and conditioner and we say to people, hey, if your hair is like mine, it's straight, a little bit oilier, leave the shampoo in longer. You don't need a separate shampoo than your somebody else in your family if they have curly hair. They just don't leave the shampoo in as long. Leave the conditioner in longer. You know, there's adjustments that you can make on your own. And again, that's kind of swimming upstream as far as most personal care products go. But I, I feel like to do otherwise would be against our values of less waste in the world. Nobody yeah. probably really needs to have as many bottles on their bathroom counter or in their shower as they do, myself included. It's easy to fall for the marketing. Oh my yes. God, buy this. You'll look like you're 20. 
you know, like, oh, that sounds great. Let me get my hands on that. But it doesn't quite usually work as well as promised. And then it just sits there. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I have numerous things for that. And yeah, you know, I mean, the beauty industry is like all based on that. You need this, you need that. And I think that there is going to have to be a change, not only in those who make it, but those who buy it and thinking about it now, you know, you can still buy your fashion. You can still all that, but I go, I go on the real, real, I go on eBay, (laughs) Poshmark, you know, and it's just as fun. And it's a heck of a lot less expensive, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, unfortunately our, as you said, consumer economy, the the measure of that is, you know, GDP, are we growing? Are we selling more stuff? Yeah. Selling new stuff. Are we taking stuff, making something, selling it? At some point it's just, we can't just keep doing that. No, we can't. We can't. Everyone has to realize like, I mean, the, so much of the ingredients, everything we use, I mean, it's coming from plants. If you're someone like us and you're using mm-hmm. plant-based solutions, but still coming from something, it doesn't oftentimes when I've lectured and I've talked about, you know, water pollution and using bottled water, it does not come from some magical source that fairies aren't just making that water that goes in that bottle. Right. You know, it's Fair. like, it's all not planet. getting rid of the bottles at the other end. Fairies are not magically making. No, no. And most of the times they're taking water from our own municipal sources and just bottling it in a fancy bottle. So I, I was just thinking the other day, I was like, I don't remember being chronically dehydrated as a child, but you think I must have because I didn't carry a water bottle with me everywhere. Right. I'm like, do I really need <laughs> you know, like, I don't have a water bottle with me. What am I going to do? But I think we we survived okay as children without a water bottle by our side constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so no, I mean that's it. It's like it is. This isn't just a business issue. I mean, this is a societal kind of look into your beliefs and your morals and your psyche kind of issue. It's really having to unpack that. And I too, I had to go through the baby line and and do this. And I was like, well, why would I do that? Well, because it, you know, it's it's more money. And for myself, I battled with that and then finally came to the conclusion that it's enough money. You know, and I wish Jeff Bezos would come to that or, you know, all <laughs> the the Elon Musks and stuff. And maybe it's we don't have to be billionaires. No one needs to be doing that. And that is how everyone does well right? Yeah. No. I mean, there's only so much. And when a few people have a lot, yeah, it doesn't look much for anybody else. And, you know, I don't need to build a rocket to go to Mars. You know. No. That saves me a few billion no. right there not needing to do that. Right. I think I can make it on a little bit less. Yes. And I have also lectured with people, if you just look at business, in order for people to get that big and to have that much money, there's going to be pullbacks. So I could reduce the cost of my product. I could send it overseas. I could do a lot of things, you know, and lessen the ingredients, cheapen the ingredients, make them more harmful and sacrifice a lot of that stuff. And then I could make a lot of more money, but I'm not going to do that. But people do that every single day. That's kind of the way of the world. So thank you for not being one of those persons. (laughs) And I want to get back to the hack though. Wait, because I know everyone out there. Wait, Christine, can you get back to the hack that she said? If you have finer and oilier hair, which I do, yeah. you just leave the shampoo in longer? What? Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's all those ingredients in there that are cleaning your hair. Put it in, add a little water, 
do your other stuff, your bar soap, your body wash, your shaving, your what have you, and then rinse it out. Clean, clean, squeaky clean hair with a natural product. I had no idea. Quick condition or, I mean, I'm literally rinsing the conditioner out as I'm putting it in because I have such straight hair. Same. And then my sister, curly coarse hair, exact opposite. I mean, she's skipping the shampoo sometimes or rinsing the shampoo out as soon as it gets in and then leaving that conditioner in for a few minutes while she does all her other stuff. That's fantastic. Two products work for both of us with very, you'll see a picture of us somewhere, very different hair. Amazing hack. So I'm going to do that. I'll leave it in longer. So you came from a nonprofit background and it it wasn't environmental. You can share with us what it was. And it's funny because I I talked to One Tree Planted, to the founder of One Tree Planted last week, and he came from a business background and started a nonprofit. But you've both done the same thing, which you've kind of combined them in a smart way. I mean, I definitely see my nonprofit background as a benefit to me. You know, we have excellent customer service based on my years of working with donors. We take our customer feedback very seriously. And I think because of that, we have incredibly loyal customers who do a lot of our marketing for us. Yeah. We take the stakeholder piece, you know, and we just have different values as a company. Again, I think based on that nonprofit background, and, you know, we work really hard to live by them in every step. And take my sister and I take that seriously. And I think that, you know, that authenticity has served us well. People know, you know, when we we get something wrong or we don't hit a goal, we we talk about it. We own it. We say it. When somebody asks me a question, I say, I, I don't know. Let me find out. Yeah. You know, <laughs> let me talk to the manufacturer. Let me research this. I we learn from people all the time. And so during COVID, when there was something promoted that maybe disposables were safer people reached out to us and they said, are your bottles safe? And I said, look, we designed this process to get rid of all the germs, not just the COVID germs, all the germs. So we are safe. And then it took a while, but science finally said, yeah, the safest materials are the one you can sterilize. And glass and metal are always going to be easier to sterilize than plastic. Yeah. It doesn't matter what happens to it afterwards. It doesn't matter if you throw it away. What matters is you know, what's on it when you get it. And that's yeah. when you want it to be clean. We had zero problem during COVID, I think, because we had a real trust with our um, yeah. customers. Yeah. And the reason you have that trust is because you're straight up and you're honest with them and your customers, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but your end goal isn't cash. And that's it. I mean, honestly, I mean, every business has kind of a goal, right? Mine yeah. was for everyone to have a good home. It's very important that the products I sell and enhance someone's home life, right? And have it, but it's not cash, right? No, and I think that comes through in so many ways. I mean, I think, you know, if you look at our Instagram feed, you know, yeah, the products are there, but a lot of it's talking about other ways to use less product or other companies that don't use product or new news stories or articles because we truly are interested and care about that. Yeah. And that would, that reflects that interest. I mean, we have a company Slack channel and we're all sharing new products, new things we find all the time, yeah. new stories. And, and that's, you know, where our social stuff comes from. And I think if you're only interested in, in making money, that's not the kind of stuff that you're sharing. That's not the kind of stuff you're promoting. That's right. Do you have an internal system to check yourselves? For instance, and I, I brought this up last week with Matt was Tom's, you know, the shoes Tom's? 
So great idea. So like every you know pair we make, we're going to give away 10, right? To people who don't have shoes. And it's a great idea. But unfortunately, what happened was there was a surplus. It went off and it went unchecked. And then where the shoes were going to for free, the local shoe people and cobblers and people who made sandals and such went out of business because they everyone was getting their shoes for free. And the same with you, know, like we think like, our old clothes going over to someone else is going to help that. But then what happens is that, you know, local shopkeepers lose business. So do you have an internal like check system for yourselves or? We do. So we became a B Corp. Yeah. Which I think is a great thing to do. And that is an incredibly rigorous process. It sure is. Years of sort of supplying the answers to all of those questions. So that for me is a big check. That was actually a great learning process when we started of like, oh, these are all the things I need to know. These are all the things I need to be tracking. These are all the things I need to think about as we make decisions. And like knowing I'm going to answer, I'm going to have to answer that again in three years. So I need to keep all of that in mind as we grow and expand and, and make choices. And then, you know, we publish an impact report every year in which, you know, we try and look at all the things we're doing that pushed us to start doing carbon offsets to help with our shipping. Once we look, oh my gosh, that's a lot of carbon we're creating. And then, you know, I think we really have a culture for better, for worse within the company of asking questions and challenging. Everything from, you know, somebody on our social team asked me to make a video and I made it and they were like, um, that's not great. Can you redo it? And I was like, "Mm, okay, I guess... I guess I'm really happy that you're comfortable enough to tell me that that was really bad. Like that is a good thing. And they were totally, I mean, they were hundred percent right. I was busy. I rushed it. I didn't do exactly what they asked me to do. I redid it. It was much better. Yeah. I was like, okay. Glad that we have a culture where people are not afraid to tell me that something isn't up to snuff. Right. So in a perfect world, I should probably do that every so often just to make sure they keep telling me it's bad. But yeah, I think, you know, I try very hard to own mistakes company-wide to be like, oh, look at the typo and the thing that I did, you know, was, was rushing too much Yeah, to make it okay for everybody to say, you know, yeah, we messed up sometimes. I think that's a sign that you're doing a great job that they're comfortable enough to say that to you because it's <laughs> when, yeah, I mean, because oftentimes, you know, if you're at the, you know, you founded the company too, you know, that people are uncomfortable. There's a fear factor. There's like, a, you know, like this monarchy of sorts, right? And I'm glad that they, because that's where we get in trouble. What if someone had said to, you know, now they're talking to Jeff Bezos and he's like, but what if in the beginning he said, you know, you really need to unionize. That's the right thing to do. And yeah. like, maybe, you know, have boxes that are recycled or reusable, et cetera, right? Like yeah. what's your what's impact going to be? Yeah. Yeah. Whole different world we'd be living in. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think you know, important to hire those people as you grow. You know, yeah. specifically, I hired a friend of mine who was a vegetarian when nobody was, is, you know, incredibly principled. And she, she's the one who asked me those questions. And I'm like, oh, you're right. That is <laughs> what we should do. Like, but, you know, she's that person and it's, it's great to have her. And she makes me crazy. And I knew, I knew she was going to make me crazy when I hired her, but that's why yeah. I hired her. Yeah, no, bless her. And it's right. Doing this, it isn't easier. 
It isn't easier, you know, it isn't. Oftentimes it's like, oh man, just, can we just let this go? That's going to cost me money. That's That's either going to cost money. It's going to cost me time. It's going to cost me thought time. Brain damage. Yeah. 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 It's not easy. It isn't easy. So thank you. Thank you for not taking the easy route. Thank you. I mean, it would have certainly, you know, it's certainly easier again to put a bunch of chemicals in a bottle and yeah to clean their house with it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, listen, so what's next for you guys? Where can we find you? Tell us all about us. Yes, thank you. Remind me yeah. to be a business person. Yeah. So my sister and I have the shared last maiden name of Della Plain. Yeah. So that's where the plane with an E came from. So plain products. And it was also sort of this plain and simple solution to waste. Yeah. Just wash stuff and reuse it. So we're... Online, plainproducts.com on all the social channels at Plain Products. Yeah, super easy to find. We love to hear from people. We love to hear ideas. We have a new hair gel and a deep conditioner that I'm out this summer that we're super excited about. So yeah, we're always cooking up, cooking up new stuff. Beautiful. Did your 14 year old uh, son check that? Did he test the hair gel? <laughs> <laughs> no, my 14 year old son did not, but my sister's 16 year old son and her 10 year old daughter and she all, all gave it the sign of approval. So I always say if my sister signs off on something, I know we're good. Like had it been up to me, I would have launched six months earlier with a meh product and a label yeah. of kindergartner drew it. Cause I just wanted to start seeing if it worked. Yeah. She was like, this is not good enough. This does not pass muster. You know, it's got to be good. And so we took the extra time, God bless her, and have yeah. good enough. So there's a lot of products that we don't do simply because she's not happy with them. And we sure. I think that's not good enough. So sure. struggle with a facial sunscreen, you know, that's not too thick and gloopy. And, and there's a few other things that we're we're still working on. Yeah. I just tested the laundry sheets and, uh, and the pods, you know, a lot less packaging there, but the pods don't dissolve all the way. They're not particularly safe for the environment and the sheets aren't, have no efficacy. Yeah. You know, the little paper like things that you throw in. So it's like, it's difficult and they're manufactured in China, which makes it very difficult to go back and forth and do reiteration. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Good. Well, I'm really disappointed to find that out. I had been using the pods in sort of a paper container and was super excited. And then I read those studies. Yeah. Dissolve completely. And I was like, no, I've been doing the wrong, you know, no. Well, you know, it shouldn't be up for you to figure it out. You know, it's the manufacturer. Yeah. Right. Lindsay. So this is the last question I ask everyone at the end of the show, which is, what gets you up and what keeps you being the change? We just discussed like, this is so hard, you know, like there are hard things and it's not easy. And you could be at a time where it's just like, you know what, I, I'm just going to do something else. I'll go back and what keeps you going? Why keep being you the know, change? One, we have great customers who say nice things to us. Like, thank you for doing this. I've been looking for something like this. We, you know, they said this little notes and that I would feel like I was letting all of them down. There was some book, I can't remember the name of it, but it talked about like what your motivator is. You know, are you internally motivated, externally motivated, motivated? But I am one of those, I'm a you know compulsive people pleaser. So I got to meet somebody at the gym to work out. It matters to me that we're solving the problems of other people and that they're involved and they're a part of it now. So that just is a constant like 
how are these people who bought in, who invested, we got to keep doing it. We got to keep growing. We got to keep adding more, more things is a good motivator. And I love a, I love a good problem. Love solving a problem. So when you call and you're like, Hey, I want to figure this. I'm like, Oh yeah, let's figure that out. Let's figure out how we can get you in these bottles and get them washed. And this whole situation about trying to create a, a national infrastructure. I mean, that's interesting to me. I like a good challenge and I love a good collaboration and partnership. Also probably the nonprofit girl in me. I like meeting really smart women who are doing the same thing. And I like working with them. Amazing. The world has a lot of problems. So I (laughs) am am glad that Lindsay McCoy is in it and she's out there solving them. Oh, thank you. You've got your fair share that you're doing too. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Lindsay. And thank you so much. and, And thank you for being the change. Oh, well, thank you for doing this. It's always fun to have these conversations. So appreciate all the work that you're doing to make it happen. This is not magic either. The podcast fairy, I'm sure, doesn't just make all of these (laughs) at the end. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and are inspired. We grow with supporters and listeners like you. So please share this podcast with your community and follow us on Instagram at bethechange.nyc. And to learn more about our guests and what you can do to be the change, go to our website at www.bethechange.nyc. That's bethechange.nyc. Thank you and be well.